there are two two kind of habits that prevent evangelization from happening. And the only answer to these two bad habits is humility. It's the only answer. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast in evangelization. I am Mike Gomer-Gormley, and I'm joined by my handsome co-host, Dave. Do you even lift, bro? Van Vickle. How are you, Dave? <laughs> Good, and I do. You do a lot. Like a beast. Yeah. <laughs> like a wildebeest. I love yeah. it. What are you up to now? What are, what are your stats? What are your lift weight stats? Um. So last night I did a 605-pound deadlift, which is uh, a record for me. 605 um, pounds yeah which is a record for me but not for like a serious lifter it's not that so um what i don't do you, know what I, don't, is your goal? I don't what is your goal oh i would like to bench press i would like to deadlift the world that is my goal okay no, um okay no I, I don't know i don't know what my goal is i just it's a huge um emotional you know release for me yeah weightlifting and everything I work oh, for the I'll church. tell you something new. I work I'll for the church. New. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you something new that you'll find interesting. I've been teaching my kids for summer. We're doing uh, three days a week a Taekwondo class, and yeah. it's been awesome. I thought it was going to be a nightmare, but it was, it's was. it been so fun. Really? So, nice. Yeah, it's been great. They love it. I re- And you're teaching them. Yeah, I'm teaching them, yeah. I really want to get my daughter into uh, jujitsu. There's a couple okay, of jujitsu cool. academies and one uh, Krav Maga class. Yeah, and I really want to just get her into that. Yeah, yeah. I I I was thinking about doing the school route. I I mean I can teach all that stuff. Not I can't teach Krav Maga, but I can teach everything else. And mm-hmm. um, I just thought rather than put them in and see uh, risk their like the interest waning, I thought I'd I'd spend the summer kind of teaching them, and then we'll see what what goes on, you know, after that. So. That's awesome. How many years did you take uh, Taekwondo? Um, let's see. Fifth grade through college, kind of. Um, oh, wow. I mean, I, I wasn't taking classes in college, but I was still competing and stuff like that. And um, and I did, you know, I did like I was a huge karate nerd. You know that. I did all the kind of martial arts, everything. So, did you but, ever evangelize while beating someone up? Not while beating someone up, but maybe afterwards. <laughs> after I owned them, after the I deadlifted yeah, them, yeah, in the in their humility, time of humility. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but anyways, that's been fun. So. I can I can imagine you like pinning some guy in some competition, and then afterwards being like, "That's right, I brought you low, sucker." And let me tell you about the God who brought Himself low to pay for your sins. Can no, I introduce you? Cannot, you? And you, you put your arm you, around. You him. cannot imagine me doing that. That's a that's a re, that's a farcical <laughs> thing. That you're you are with. a liar, sir. You are a liar. And you know what? You wouldn't be wrong. You wouldn't be wrong. <laughs> so uh, I was wondering if we could uh, get an update on your on your wonderful wife and her yes her fighting yes. cancer and all that. Okay, so um, I don't know how much I've updated the listeners on, but about a month and a half ago, about two months ago, she had another scan and um, the. The doctor's basic thought was, look, this isn't working. Um, you know, the, the best we can really hope for is kind of to, to try and continue to treat you so that you you stay well enough so that if a drug came around to treat this better, 
we we would have you know you would be ready to take that drug so it was it was a really awful awful kind of place to be in and amber kind of prayed about it and was thinking about it and you know she gets she got so so incredibly sick from the chemo um so this whole time she's been taking the chemotherapy but then also doing um this kind of experimental regimen of drugs from a doctor down in nashville tennessee um who's like doing a study right now and she decided um kind of against both doctors recommendations that she was going to just stop IV chemo. Mm. Um, she just said, look, if, you know, if, if I don't have much longer, I don't want to spend my life sick yeah. and in bed and just, you know, so, so the doctor in Nashville kind of said, well, look, what if we do this? What if we increase the drugs I'm giving you since you're not doing the IV chemo, it would be safe for you to increase okay. these drugs. And they're all, um, they're all, let's see, um, FDA approved drugs. They're just being used off label. And, oh, okay. um, and the combination is kind of his secret there. And, um, she said, okay, let's do it. And, you know, thank, thanks be to God and thanks be to the prayers of, I'm sure a lot of our listeners and, and everybody every single week since she stopped IV chemo and increased those drugs, her tumor markers have come down and, um, she's gotten she's gained weight which is is a huge deal you know because oh, yeah. like at, at the cancer that she had the size of the tumors and everything they were estimating that it was eating 50 to 60 percent of her calories so um she's gained weight back she is you know up and about and um we, we haven't gotten scans yet that'll be next week actually okay. next thursday so you'll listen to this on a wednesday and we'll be there on thursday getting scans and we will find out if her blood work confirms that this is working. Wow. Um, but, but we have hope again. So that's, that's great. Um, so yeah, I appreciate all the prayers and, and I really appreciate the messages and I apologize. Um, if you've messaged me and I haven't gotten back to you, I, I have gotten about, let's see, I estimated the other day about 3000 messages. Um, <laughs> so I'm prioritizing priests at this moment. I'm writing back to priests and clericalism to strikes yeah. again. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. So, but uh, you know, I just I really appreciate it and thank you again. And please continue to pray because this is a tough week because we're we're just so nervous that the um, I mean the blood work is looking amazing. Like they 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 were just shocked at what happened. So yep. they're really happy and. But they won't, you know, they'll never say anything until they actually see if if the tumor has shrunk or not. So we'll see this yeah. week, next yeah. week. Okay. So, okay. Well, that's yeah. awesome. We're all, we're all so happy to hear Amber yeah. uh, making progress. And, you know, all, all my friends who are our age that suffer from cancer, you know, so much of it is from the treatment, you know, and it's yeah. just so, so devastating. You don't think about that if you've never suffered it. And then you walk with someone and they're like, you know, I haven't been able to get out of bed and soar right. constantly and so it's it's awesome to hear that can't wait yeah. to get the update next week when amber's uh deadlifting more than you um yeah good luck <laughs> uh so we have a wonderful listener email carla who actually wrote us one thing and then said you know what answer this question instead um we're gonna walk through her email and just kind of talk about what i think is probably the most common yeah issue in our church today which is adults who maybe didn't uh, live their faith when they were raising their kids, especially when they were younger, and now they're re They had a conversion, and they're reintroducing the faith, and the kids are like, "What the heck is this crap?" You know, <laughs> like they're freaking out. I I just had a conversation with someone um, who's thinking about RCIA, and he said, "You know, 
I never was an atheist. I struggled with religion. I thought Catholicism was a joke. And the Lord for six months, every time like I close my eyes, I like have a vision of Jesus or like all this wow. stuff. And they're calling me to the Catholic Church. He said, So I start being a little bit more religious. And my kids are like, knock this off. You know, his youngest right. is 16. It's like, come on, come on. Right. It's right. all a fairy tale. And he's like, okay. So he's struggling. He's like, I never taught them to be atheists, but I never taught them to be religious. What do we do? I don't know. So here is her email. Thank you for your podcast. You're welcome. I have been binging on the past episodes. I love it. I'm a cradle Catholic. My husband and I have four children, and we raised them Catholic, or we thought we did. Our version of Catholic looked like going to weekly mass and most holy days of obligation. We enrolled them in CCD classes, and they've received the sacraments. Our children range in age from 22 to 13. Okay, so we're talking adult children here, too. Right. Now, after approximately four years in the desert, I feel that I finally discovered Jesus. I've developed a prayer hour and have joined a few prayer groups to help with my formation. Awesome. I read the Bible daily. I get the daily readings for mass and keep a prayer journal. I'm really drawn to learning and growing in faith. I do not know how to help grow my family to be a more faithful family. It is not our normal, and my kids are not young. It feels so difficult to implement. Because Jesus was not at the center of our life, I do not know how to keep to help make this shift without being too preachy. How can I gently guide them? I want to plant seeds and water like crazy so God can do the growth. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. Carla, we appreciate your email. This is this is probably I mean, this is the reason why people listen for a lot of people, I suspect. So what are your initial thoughts, Dave? Well, if I guess if you were standing in front of me, I'd like to know what your husband is thinking about all this too, you know, because that yeah. that's going to be that would change a little bit my strategy for going about this. Um, I I would I would really so so first off, some preliminary thoughts. The first thing is this: take a deep breath, have some patience here, and realize that. God is in control, right? He loves your children even more than you do. And so when you have this exciting thing happen in your life, all you want to do is kind of cram it down their throat so that it happens quicker for them. And it might not be so quick. So take a nice deep breath and to kind of just start to say, I'm playing the long game here, right? I'm not going to, uh, you know, bring them into like, like a, almost like a trap where at Christmas, like they all sit down at the table and you stand up and say, I have to tell you all something. Um, and start calling them out or something like that, right? What you're going to do is slowly start to introduce conversations into your life, I think, that would push push important questions to the surface, and you are going to be the best listener you possibly could. You know, I, I, would, I would very much uh, caution you from going full bore into, like, uh, evan evangelist mode and and instead put all your eggs in the listener mode basket um because you're you're gonna have to really double down on trust and you and you might be in a great situation where your kids already trust you not enough right you got to double down on the trust so um you want to really start to slowly introduce into their life secondly actually this should have been first you start praying like crazy for your kids and this is why i asked you about your husband if your husband's on board with this, you and your husband every single day start praying like crazy for the conversion of your children um, and then let them see a difference in your life and and stuff starts to work out and things come to the surface. But the more they can trust you, the more they're going to trust you with the big issues. The big issues are really the easiest transitions into evangelical conversations, I'd say. Yeah. And 
oftentimes when we pray for our kids, we we do it in a vague or general way. And what I want to encourage you to do is pray in a very, very specific and concrete way. Um, there are three ways that I... I shouldn't say that I take the approach. I have heard of others taking this approach. So number one, the one that I most commonly recommend is for the Lord to put people in their lives that they respect and admire, that they will listen to, who will be the ones uh, sowing the seeds or watering the seeds, right? Because sometimes, you know, Dave Ramsey has this thing called the uh, diapered butt syndrome, where like if kids are telling their parents about like finances their parents aren't going to listen because they diapered your butt. Anyone who diapered right. your butt is not going to listen. But the opposite is also true. Like, oh, here goes mom again. Here goes dad again. And and they don't want to take life advice from someone who's older than them. And you just don't know, man. So the idea with this is you want to pray that someone influential in their lives can begin right. to do the watering. So pray for like that kind of intervention. The second thing that I would say is pray for, and this echoes what Dave said, pray for opportunities for you to evangelize, right? So pray for conversations to naturally unfold where you can speak the gospel in other lives. Don't make every conversation about that, right? Because yep. when when you have your own, when you have your own conversion, it's such an overwhelming thing. This is why they say like lock converts in a closet for six months. It's such an overwhelming thing. You want everyone to experience it That'll come out of you naturally, but then they, but then it becomes like so many Catholics become two dimensional. They cease to care about anything else other than theology or you know whatever it is. And right. I would encourage you to the to open up conversations to pray for the opening of conversations that are not based necessarily in theology that are life things. That's the way Alpha for or Alpha in a Catholic context. The way they do it right is. Let's just talk about the big questions of life and how does Christ supply the answer. But you first start with like, what are your answers? You know, and you let that happen. And the third thing I'm going to say, this is the most controversial thing, is don't pray for their life to be easy. Like God works right. through suffering. And so what you want to do is, and this might sound weird, but opportunities for growth are often opportunities born through suffering. And so pray that God ruins their their false sense of self-sufficiency, right? Or the false sense of, of worldly idolatry, right? Like I'm fine. I got it all together. The world is my buddy. You know, the, the new Testament is very clear. You can't be friends with the world without being enemies with God. And it's this notion of like, when we begin to see the limitations of what this world can offer, we then go outside the world to find solutions to our problems. And it's not a horrible thing to pray for those things to happen, right? So those are those are my somewhat less controversial <laughs> two to three things that I'd recommend yeah. when you pray. Yeah, and I think um, I think you want to if you if you haven't yet, if you've been listening to us, you probably already bought it. But make sure you've read for me intentional disciples. Mm -hmm. uh, make sure you you have some idea about youth culture. Which I'm not saying that's 100% important because I have no idea. I'm not good at that kind of thing. That's more Gomer stuff. But you want to have some idea just so that you're not. Um, what, I, what I guess what I'm trying to say is your conversion is going to be markedly different than their conversion. Right. And your entry point into the faith is going to be markedly differently different than their entry point in the faith. Like I, I was talking to. Uh, Somebody called the other day and was talking about how this whole like how kind of like the um, 
polarization of America has kind of brought them back to their faith because they feel like they've seen like the dark side or something like that, which I, I don't, you know, I'm not getting into all the culture war stuff, but the, and now they just want their family to see it too. Why can't their family see it too? Well, pretty much that's never going to work, right? I mean, if you, your generation's apart and if that, your entry point could be very, very different than, than their entry point into a more serious faith. So I, you know, I would, I would be very, uh, very cautious and very slow, but but maybe take a look at those books um, at, at Forming Potential Disciples, and then Gomer could probably recommend a book on on the more youth culture stuff. But um, but I would really really make sure that you understand what you want here is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ for your kids, and make sure that the decisions you make in evangelization are based on that, and not just based on, I want them to act a certain way and I want them to see the world in a certain way. And I want them to have the certain philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. And there are two, two kind of habits that prevent evangelization from happening. And the only answer to these two bad habits are is humility. It's the only answer. And so when Dave telling you, you know, take a breath, take a breath, like realize God's in charge and he loves them more than you do. The humility, the profound humility before your children uh, is number one, you might not be the one that wins them into the kingdom. Okay. You might not be, you might have too much baggage with your kids or too much, whatever that the kids can't hear your preaching without remembering the, you know, five times in their high school years when, you know, things fell apart or, you know what I mean? Like sometimes we are, we carry too much baggage. Our fear is that we failed them. Okay. That, you know, you look at it from a divine perspective and you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't, you know, I thought I did all the good things. I gave them CCD. We gave them the sacraments. We mostly went to mass. Isn't that enough? And now you're looking at it, you're like, there's like a whole new right. world when you actually open your heart up to the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Okay, here's the deal. When's the best time to plant an oak tree? 25 years ago. Yeah, 20, your 22-year-old kid maybe could have benefited from you being much more zealous and having that relationship with Christ. But that's not your right. reality. So we, don't let fear of I've failed them, either do one of these two bad things. One is to paralyze you from action and saying anything, which, Carla, doesn't seem to be your case, right? Um, Or turn them. So one is it paralyzes you. The other thing, it makes them a project for you. And we talk about this all the time. What do I mean by a project? A project is where you are gunning for their conversion, and so everything becomes like driven to that regard to where it overrides your entire relationship. And you don't see any other way to bringing them to Christ except through the preachy lens. Parents have to understand that being on the lecture circuit for their kids is probably not the best way to win them to Christ. Just like, I mean, just think about like politically, right? Dave, you brought that up. If someone is pro-Trump, do you think lecturing them is going to bring them out of that? If someone is anti-Trump, do you think constantly lecturing them is going to bring? No, it builds animosity. So when you truly humble yourself, it frees you from being paralyzed from action, from speaking, like you'll know when to speak, and or you're not speaking from a place of fear, from a place of arrogance, from a place of I'm the one, and what do I mean by arrogance? I'm the one that is going to convert them. It, the humility says, okay, God, it's on your time because the, and, and then the preventing of a project is God, it's, it's also on your time. And for some reason, God, the father, you don't have my timetable, which is right now, now, now. Um, and I would just say from a, from a, someone who runs 
programs and teaches classes that helps Protestants become Catholic, my inclusion program. The thing, the greatest thing that I learned is this is not between you and me. I provide answers. I, you know, help you with your prayer life. This is between you and God. And I'm just the guy to help. I'm the guide. I'm the 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 person who accompanies. But I'm not the God that you're repenting to. So I have to humble myself as a teacher and as you know a spiritual guide or whatever you want to call me. I have to humble myself in, in realizing they have a timetable. And that's why DMX is very helpful. <laughs> when speaking in the voice of God, American rapper DMX says to DMX in a character skit song thing, I may not come when you want, but yo, I'm oh always on gosh. time. Okay. You heard it first yeah, here. I said you heard it. it first I said here. it. Uh, yeah. X, gonna give it to you. Gonna oh give it to gosh. you, X. <laughs> we might get sued from DMX. That's evangelization. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, here's another thing I, I want to I want to point out. Um, in, in a lot, this is completely anecdotal, but I think it does hold true. In, in a lot of cases where a kid was raised in a Christian household, they associate the church with their parents and um, and they associate God with their parents. And so like oftentimes when I'm meeting with someone, they'll bring up like their issues with Christianity or their issues with the church. And it's really an issue with their parents. So it may not hold true in every case, but it probably does with your kids as well. And so if you want them to change their opinion of God and of the church, it, it can be a good start to have them change their opinion of you. And, and, and the reason I'm saying that it's a long way of me saying it's time to be a saint, right? It's time for them to see a changed heart, a changed life. Um, and, and they'll ask the questions, just, just be patient. They will ask the questions. Another thing that I would say, so your 13 year old is still entirely under right. your care. Your 22-year-old is no longer under your care. You it kind of like even if they live in your house, you're, you're still responsible for them, but they're adults now, right? Um, you know, the, the great line from Scripture, train up, train up your child in the way that they shall go, and they will not depart from it. So you begin to think about this stuff from that perspective. A lot of us who are parents fear moral, immoral outcomes yeah, in our children, yeah. right? So like when I would watch adults give chastity talks, it was almost always a fear-based talk to get them to not have sex before marriage, not get pregnant, not get a disease. Those were the huge um, emphases for, for a lot of those kind of chastity talks. And what ends up happening when we do this is you realize, like I detected this pattern when I was a youth minister, that when you hear this, it's all fear. Like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be the parent of the pregnant teenager, or I don't want them to throw away their college career. And there's a lot of fear-based stuff, and it's built around moral outcomes. But you and I, Dave, have been in parish ministry long enough to know that immoral outcomes often lead to self-examination, yep. yep. <laughs> right? Like, so the, the Lord can write straight with our crooked lines, right? I love that cliche. It speaks to my heart. Um, but it's a very real thing that uh, too often we are motive When we say evangelize, we mean yeah. moralize. And I'm not saying you're doing this, Carla. You don't seem to be doing this. St. Peter says in uh, 1 Peter 3, 15, 16, always be ready to give a reason for the hope that is within you. Okay? It doesn't necessarily say always be ready to defend the church's teaching on yep. contraception. Right. So I one time heard a brilliant explication of this where the person said, the hope that is within you is Jesus's life, death and resurrection. 
Can you explain that in a way that hits their hearts? You don't have to go through all the details of the Catholic faith. Now, with a 13-year-old, you are in charge of their moral formation. With a 22-year-old, you know, more or less that ship has sailed. But with the 13-year-old, so obviously you have a little bit more, um, more of a responsibility to engage and correct their immoral behavior. But right within all of this, right, the hope that is within you is what Christ did for you, not what you accomplished for yourself and how his grace opened up your heart to receive him. And so if we if we take the breaks off of I got to transform their entire moral life and we put it on I get to share the charisma of God, then doing thing then when you witness, you witness to those specific stuff. So humbling yourself. I always, I say this, uh, I don't know if parents always believe me, but like repenting to your children about your own offenses is huge. Now they, if if they, sometimes they become jerks and they use your sin and your repentance against you. Be ready. And you can bring that up. (laughs) You can be ready, but that's part of the, like, that's part of the repentance process. They might not receive your ask for forgiveness, but you have still repented of it. Um, you know, doing things like that and talking about, um, yeah, without getting too much into like the tactics, I think it is a beautiful way to witness to the charisma, yep. right? And and don't feel pressure to have to give everything. Well, the reason why the church teaches X, Y, and Z, and the reason why we do this, because I think those will just naturally come up the more you give a reason for the hope, and the hope is Jesus. That's what yeah, I, I yeah, give them a reason to ask questions. That's what I would say. Give them a reason to ask questions about what's going on and what's happening there, and and the the nice thing is you already have that natural relationship where when it, when a crisis does happen in their life they'll probably go to you, so you'll be ready for that. And uh, you know, pray, pray, pray. You just continue on and you, you stay patient and you wait for those questions. And again, I I'd, I'd turn you to you know forming intentional disciples, uh, Saint, uh, Ananias training from the Saint Catherine of Siena Institute. These are all going to be really great tools that can help you. And they and I to me, the way they help me the most is they help me to become a more patient evangelist um, because I I realized I wasn't waiting for the right questions. I wasn't waiting waiting for the right times. Yeah, I think that's great. And here's my last thing, mom and dad. If you don't want to sound like a hokey, corny, eye-rolling human person, don't overly spiritualize every single thing in your (laughs) life. So I have these experiences where there are some people who have fallen away from the church and they're in my life and I'm very close to them and I witness to the faith all the time to them. But I do it in ways that are meaningful and not super, super shallow and fake spiritual. What do I mean by that? Uh, a storm comes in. Oh, that yeah, was Jesus. Right, right. Did you see Jesus? Right. That was Jesus. Uh, the storm, the storm leaves, and uh, a neighbor's house get flooded. You see that Jesus protected us right. from getting flooded. I lost my like, keys. So Jesus, and then I, I found him. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, all that. Yeah, and it it might be that all those things are true, but for people who are unbelievers or find belief, faith to be irrational or difficult in any way, shape, or form, that trivializes it. In our minds, and I would I would draw your attention to Saint Paul will often bring up like, come on, like act in a way that unbelievers won't scoff and right, roll their eyes right. at us, right? Like if they walk in and people are speaking in tongues, they're gonna walk straight out, right? You know, if you know, and like the idea of like what what are these signs for unbelievers that we want them to see? Some people take the idea of like looking for an opportunity to witness 
as the exact same thing as talking about faith and over-spiritualizing everything yep. all the time. And you can't do that because you make it corny. And especially if the person is struggling with the intellectual, um, their intellectual inability to see faith as something rational, you don't want to do that. That's the number one enemy of what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Right? That's the number one enemy of what you're, you're trying you're to accomplish. You're also putting a lot of stress on a situation because in all likelihood, yeah. um, someone someone praying and finding their keys, like you're you're there's not a lot of people who have that experience. You know, like, so what happens is a lot of times people will say like, well, I'm not like them. I mean, I'm, I'm Christian, but I'm not like that person. I mean, he prays and he hears this and he gets this and this happens and God protects him from this. So I'm not there. It puts a lot of stress on the relationship between them and God, um, because you're modeling, uh, maybe a hyper religiosity as opposed to what's really important about the faith, which is Christ changed your life. And now you can live in freedom. You know, um, we don't want to put unnecessary burdens on their faith life to have some kind of a mystical. I love that. Uh, nice. Simple. Yeah. A mystical yes. uh, pressure in a sense. Oh, beautiful. All right. So, uh, Carla, listen, we are we 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 know we sympathize right all the time. I think this is um, this is a big issue that we're all struggling with. We all have family members, but the idea of the added burden of them being children or adult children who have moved on and your levels of influence really do wane the older they get, just like you and your relationship with your parents. Um, but it's never fully gone and you're never not their parents. And so you do have some sort of spiritual authority. And so your prayers are indeed powerful. Um, Brandon Vaught wrote a book called i believe it was hmm okay patrick madrid wrote one and brandon vaught i think patrick madrid's was called search and rescue how to bring your kids back okay. to the faith and then brandon vaught wrote a book on how to win how to win back like basically it's like your young adults back to the faith in your family so uh if, if you go look on uh hop over on amazon and and look at those titles uh maybe we can find it and put it in the show notes um, those are huge. Those are really good books. I've heard people say that they that they have been very um, motivating and concretizing, right? They give you concrete actions cool. to take um, that can be very, very helpful. All right. So uh, when we come back from this brief break from Ascension Press, we are going to talk about our five practical takeaways from this. And you can already hear this episode is filled with practical takeaways. Um, and then we are going to ask everyone out there, um, number one, if you could do us a huge favor. This is the ask, folks. This is the ask. Can you write a recommendation? If you think we're worth five stars, can you write a recommendation for us on whatever app or service you use to listen to podcasts? That's gets It gets the word out there, lets people know about our show. And there can be other Catholic parents who are despairing, turning their kids into projects or paralyzed from action. And maybe this can help move the needle in terms of our faith today. So uh, head on over to whatever um, you listen to. I'm a big uh, Apple podcast listener, so you can just write us a review there, and it is huge. I'm Jeff Cavins. I wrote The Activated Disciple because I know how easy it is to practice the faith and to study it, but what if we lived our entire lives without doing what we learned? God doesn't just call us to be students. He calls us to be disciples. 
to look and live like Jesus. If you yearn for a life that moves beyond just studying and believing, if you yearn to become an activated disciple, then this book is for you. The Activated Disciple teaches you how to take your faith to the next level so you can become an instrument for God to transform the world. To order The Activated Disciple, visit ascensionpress.com or Amazon. Welcome back to Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast of evangelization and discipleship. I hope you uh, were able to hear the commercial from our friends at Ascension Press. We love being a part of that community, and we love everything that they put out. So take a look at their website today if you haven't yet. Uh, and also, we just spent the last whole episode answering one listener's email. So if you have any questions about evangelization, please feel free to email us at eksb at ascensionpress.com. Uh, you know, we always like to keep it practical. We want an army of evangelists doing small things to bring the kingdom to other people. And so we're going to jump right into our five practical takeaways. And uh, I'm going to jump out here with number one. Number one, and this is for the entire EKSB community, all our listeners and everybody, we're going to ask you all to join Carla in praying for her kids for the conversion of her children, okay? Uh, group intercessory prayer here. If you would just promise to pray one decade of the rosary for Carla's, for the conversion of Carla's children, uh, it's a wonderful way to be in solidarity with each other and to practice intercessory prayer, which God calls us to. So uh, group intercessory prayer is number one. Number two, an examination of conscience. You knew this wouldn't be an episode of EKSB without an examination of conscience. Really examine um, your motives, right? Sit down and, and ask, like, where is my humility in this situation? And where is fear maybe overriding it or a sense of failure or blame? Um, ask yourself, like, where are you on the whole religiosity versus, like, true Christian zeal? Um, do you have a problem with paralysis or turning them into a project? Kind of walk through and do an examination of your relationship with your kids when it comes to evangelizing them. Number three, involve your spouse in some sort of explicit weekly prayer for your kids, like a visit to the church, a rosary. You and your husband or you and your wife come together each week and pray explicitly for the conversion of your children, right? You have, you have spiritual authority over them. You, your prayers are powerful for your children. Uh, number four, tactics and self-knowledge. Make a list of the things that your kids might find unbelievable, right? Whatever their objections might be. Try to think about what's behind them, attitudes, actions, whatever, and um, what, what they would find unbelievable for someone who professes belief in Jesus. So if they're looking at you and being like, really, you have this Jesus, but you are so angry all the time or you're so um, you know, impatient or whatever it is. Honestly, look at yourself. Use the self-knowledge that Christ wants to give you in your examinations of conscience and really just make that list and say, okay, my kids complain about X, Y, and Z. This is where I see truth in it. And I'm going to start ripping this up because I don't want anything to remove uh, or to be an obstacle to their faith in Christ. Yeah, awesome. Okay. And number five, finally, and this is the one that's going to hurt here. Okay. We want you to sharpen your listening skills. So when one of your children comes to you with a problem this week, the next week, in the next month or so, when one of them comes to you with an issue, we want you to just ask questions and listen and don't give any advice at all. Just listen unless they explicitly ask you for something, okay? Um, this is hard. 
this is a really difficult thing to do. And it, it makes me like un- uncomfortable even just saying it. But the truth is, is that oftentimes jumping in with advice is the last thing we should do. So unless they say, hey, what do you think I should do? Just just listen to them. Just listen to their story. Right. And and hear what they have to say and build that trust. Yeah, that is absolutely important so ladies and gentlemen this has been another episode of every knee shall bow your weekly catholic podcast on evangelization let us all remember to pray 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 for one another in this great task of conversion in a world in upheaval um we all need more repentance in our own lives um and more forgiveness and grace for everyone else so this is gomer reminding you uh beg for god's grace this week in ways that maybe you haven't ever before god bless y'all god bless